stay fly, stay fly, right. stay fly. Forced migration. Um, the slaves were better off working on plantations than they would have been otherwise. All types of ridiculous foolishness. Like we didn't have our own empires, kingdoms, education, schools in Africa. But okay. Um, we were educated when we were kidnapped. But okay. So, um, how do we not only educate our kids, but all kids with the truth? You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Vol School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vonner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. And I'm waiting. And we're live. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's your man DJ Seiko Varner back with another episode of the Fly Guys Show, the Fly Guys Podcast. We, we in this show we discuss uh, practical consciousness from a lot of various perspectives. Um, disclaimer: We're not stupid. We use the term black, and we don't think we're talking particularly about someone's proper skin color. We're not talking about a nation called black, a city called black, a state or planet called black. We're not talking about nationality and legal status, and we're not talking about a crayon color. Nor do we think we're adjectives. So, uh, all that level one wokeness, we don't deal with that. All right. All right, so today we have Queen Mother Shay in the house, and we're going to discuss they schools. And uh, actually, Shay is going to be the host. I'm about to let go of the uh, host chair, host chair, host chair, <laughs> and give it to Queen Mother Shay. Uh, so, Queen Mother Shay, what's good? Nothing much. Starting off this new year right with the right mindset. We gonna start this uh, year yeah, off right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Education is is what we do. So, what I do, and um, it's hey. Welcome to the party, Sir Eddie. How are you? How are you, Sir Eddie? I'm well. <laughs> right, well, you know, I need to change that, <laughs> Sir Eddie Kane. So, yeah, the, so the topic for tonight is they schools can't teach us, which is uh, basically a rip from Dead Prez. They had a line in one of their songs that said, "They schools can't teach us bleep. We need freedom. We need all that we can get." Uh, so you, the, the bleep ram, the bleep rhyme with get. So you understand what they're talking about. Um, I'm not going to repeat the rest of it, mm-hmm. but the concept that schools that were not created by us oh don't necessarily work for us. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I stepped into the into the leadership chair again. <laughs> I got to give the leadership chair to Queen Mother Shay. So what's good, Shay? Take it from here, baby. So uh, right now, let's let's talk about education the way it is. The majority, like the like eighty to ninety some percent of all American citizens, go through public education, right? So starting pre K or kindergarten, you know, you go and you start learning, right? Mm-hmm. So, question is, what are we learning? Why and who are we learning it for? Right. So, what's one of the first things you learn when you go to school? 
Um, ooh, it's sit in place. How to make a straight line. And how to be quiet. Be quiet. To be quiet? Ooh, to be compliant. To follow the rules. You're right. And not only that, but to do what you want to question. Well, they kind of teach you the question, but only question in context. Question when you're given the opportunity to question. Speak when spoken to. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know that one of the major discipline actions against students is insubordination? Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And so if you think about what insubordination means, it really just means you didn't do what I thought, what I told you to do, right? Pretty much. Our most disciplined students are black males. Absolutely, they are. So I didn't like, when I think about what I, what I learned, I, I think I was a pretty easy student. And so I didn't really have to be told much of, Except for the talking. I talked a whole lot and I just kept talking. Um, but I didn't have any, I wasn't the student to, to talk back or to, I was too busy not doing anything but reading. Sister Star is here. Hey, y'all. Queen Star. Yes. Welcome, welcome. We were talking about what we, what we learn in school when we first start school. So the guys were saying that you learn to follow the rules, draw straight lines, not not talk out of turn, things like that. What are some of the first things you learned in school? Hmm, interesting. Um, let me see. When I started school, I was in a predominantly white Episcopalian school in Gadsden, Alabama. Um, <laughs> I guess I learned that, that I was pro-black um, at a very young age. <laughs> um, I don't know, but but with that said, I I feel like in in school itself, just the the learning component, I had a a, a good foundation um, for that aspect. If we start talking about um, the socialization and all of that, so I'm kind of coming in. I don't know where y'all were going with that. That's a, that's a whole nother um, path. But I enjoyed school and home. Um, I had a foundation at home um, prior to going to school. I had a strong foundation. My granny. Um, had me reading it three, so yeah. So you were well prepared. I was care of Granny Ruth. Yes. Yeah, come on, Granny. I'm here for it. Blue Granny. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel you. Like I, I guess my. I got my foundation at home so by the time I got to school even when I went to school like my first um, experience in school was an all black um, preschool that's oddly enough that was run by the church I now attend I wasn't ever there I wasn't a member there. My mother just happened to know that this school existed because it was down the street from where she worked and she could drop me off on the, and, and she knew that the church was good. And 
to clarify, Eddie, you're in PG County, right? No, I'm in I'm in the District of Columbia. Okay, DC. Yeah. Why did I think your church was the? Well, we have moved. We have moved. We've moved to uh, PG. Okay. Yeah, we've moved to Prince George's County, but um, for the longest time we were in up until ooh, maybe eight, nine years ago, we were in the district. So interesting. That so okay, good. Sorry. So, so interesting. So I went to, so, you know, starting in DCPS, I mean, even in private schools, DCPS, I didn't see white kids until I was 12. Like in school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't see white kids in schools until I was about 12 in the sixth grade. And see, mine was the complete opposite. I was one uh, or sometimes the only little um, black girl in the class and um you know the whole I had my hair in beads and cornrows and being gawked at and everything and I knew I didn't like that at a at a young age and the first time I ever had to check a white person was in first grade because he said something negative about um Martin Luther King and from the family that I came from my granny being involved in the civil rights movement and everything that was like blasting so six year old style was like, uh uh-uh, uh, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you not gonna do? <laughs> and I'm sure that was not the terminology. I don't remember all the details, but I remember raising my hand and I know I said something like, no, no, we don't do that <laughs> around okay. this part. But um yeah, it was it was uh, this is why I'm a big proponent of the cultural aspects of learning. Um, include you know not erasing black children. Um, wait, wait, start, wait, ah! wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on. You get hold on. Hold that thought. Seiko, <laughs> yeah, when you were, um, when you were in elementary, what kind of school were you in? Where were you, and what kind of school were you in? That's interesting because I did start off in a church preschool because my father's a minister. Uh, and so in Brooklyn, New York, at Nazarene Congregational Church, we had a preschool experience. And then I went to Maria Montessori. And my Montessori experience, there was a lot of people from different backgrounds in Brooklyn, New York at that time in yeah. the Maria Montessori school. So I had a really interesting experience. Now, uh, Aaron Jacob, one of the fly folk who tapped in, said that the jails and the schools teach the same thing. I thought that was I interesting. I saw that. I want to girl who said she went right. to Michigan again, and they learned the Pledge Wait, of Allegiance. Shut your mouth and do what you're told. The Pledge of Allegiance. You know what? I, I do remember now that I learned the Pledge of Allegiance, and I was told how to have reverence to the American flag. Uh, and thanks, how Marty. Were you? Yeah. Uh, so this is preschool, elementary school, first grade. You know, I left Brooklyn when I was in the third grade. So from PK all the way up. And that, that was my experience. And now when I think about it, like Aaron said, wow, schools and jail did teach very similar things. Well, so, I've never been to jail. I, I don't know. I, I'll take his word. <laughs> the, Pledge of, the Pledge of Allegiance. That part. Um, Eddie, sorry, what, what, how old were y'all when y'all started doing Pledge of Allegiance? Um, 
would be like first grade because actually no maybe no it was second grade because I was in private school until second grade and so okay. it wasn't a big deal it wasn't a big deal but once was I a, the first a, my first time in public school yeah it was a kind of sort of because I know there's a bible pledge of allegiance as well mm-hmm. so my first um yeah the religious school yeah I didn't do it at Metropolitan Kitty College, but in formal, like, kindergarten, first grade, I went to a school called um, Nanny Helen Burroughs. And if you Google her, she was a an educator here in D.C. that opened a school for, you know, so Google her. Just, and, you know, this is, the school's no longer open, but what happened is that, you know, here in, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of the barter system because my father was an accountant, and so folks that really couldn't afford to pay him paid them in their services. And mm. so Nanny Helen Burroughs was a school. And so guess what? I went to private school because he did their, he was their accountant. Mm. That's like, what I'm talking about. Just like I got my braces because I had braces. You Lucky you remember that because I, I had braces in college. Why? Because my Donna yeah. one of my father's clients. Sorry. In Alabama... Did y'all do the pledge? Yeah, I think they do that everywhere. Um, I I think it's pretty nationwide. I consider indoctrination. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but um, when you tell, when you teach a four, five, six-year-old who can't even understand what the word allegiance is, and you're telling them to pledge, right? So I promise to defend and protect the United States. The United States gives liberty and justice for all. And so that's part of the foundation of our educational system. And so when you try to talk about uh, America as a racist nation, especially when you're talking to white people, what what do you get back? You know, it's a and I guess being an educator, I guess it's it's hard to kind of grasp that because I don't really subscribe to any of that because I'm not pledging anything to a nation that doesn't pledge anything to me I can't be loyal to somebody who's not loyal to me I find it interesting at a young age I found that to be problematic and as in the you know the older I got it was more severe because to say you're gonna pledge allegiance to something mm-hmm. you know people don't even play and it's definitely indoctrination because I don't see people pledging allegiance to their mom their dad their children you know their their spouse like the the people who matter to you the most and you would die for you don't say I pledge allegiance to my children and and I'm like that's really serious to say that the whole liberty and justice for all is a lie mm-hmm. and then um, you know for people who are of the Christian faith I'm like isn't that adultery um, because you're pledging allegiance to a flag to an inanimate object so it's, it's just real problematic but that's what brainwashing is that's what um, indoctrination is when you don't critically think about what you're doing you just do it because society says that's what you spo- you're supposed to do and if you fall out of the ranks then you know you'll be ostracized or there's something wrong with you or it's just so embedded you don't you don't analyze it mm-hmm. 
So they started at a young age. They they start the um the the worker class and the you know the worker bees and all of that. They're they're preparing all of that at a young age. Absolutely are, and and it's interesting that you know the system is set up for that. The prison complex is absolutely set up for that, and you know when they stop, they've stopped. First of all, they my issue is they've stopped teaching critical thinking skills across the board, especially for young African-Americans or people of color. They, they don't really want to, they don't want you to think critically. They want you, they you know, don't want anybody to think critically. And I think my issue now, especially when we talk about they, the day schools can't teach us. Yeah. You know, having taught in urban settings for 20 plus years, my problem had, is, and will always continue to be that, we don't have enough of us in those settings. And so when you send, you can't send Becky and I, you know, and I found myself more often than not coming up colleagues about how they talk to our young black boys or our young black girls. Like I've, you know, I've seen, I've become the defender of, you're not going to talk to him like that. Becky, you know, sit down like sweetie or like I'll just come through and swoop a kid like oh, I got this and just go and say to him baby don't do that son don't do that um, or come sit by me or you know come in and intervene because I'm like you know they don't know how to talk to our kids and that's real you know they don't know how to talk to our kids and on a, on a very real level they don't know how to talk to us okay they don't know how to talk to us and I so you know I'm launching in 2020 is going to be the launch of my uh, my consulting because every system says, oh, we want young. We want black male educators. We want black male educators, blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't want really you don't really want black male educators because you're not you're not ready for that black boy magic. It's your, you're they, really want they want y'all for enforcement. They want us for enforcement and they want they want us. They want the physical. You're right. They we want us for enforcement because they want what they want is a black man that will teach like a black woman or a white woman. And they want to be, they, because what you can't do is script, and I've and seen part of my, so part of the reason that I'm transitioning out of secondary education into the collegiate level is because I've had enough of people trying to script my interactions with my kids. Because I can go in and control the whole building, never raise my voice, and you know, get what I need out of them. And while other people are screaming and hollering and crying, come here, sit down right here, and this is what you're going to do. I don't negotiate with kids. Who does All that? of that. You don't and negotiate with our children for over 20 years as well, not in the public school setting, but in um, you know various organizations and agencies. Exactly what you said. They don't know how to talk to our children. I'm going to tell you what, as a black woman, they didn't like the way that I interact with our children either. They definitely didn't because, like you said, I'm going to intervene. You know, it like I'm 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 real calm, woo but the minute you start bothering black children, that's a whole nother side. And I know how to do that professionally, but they knew you're not going to do that. You're not going to, because I will tell you straight up, that's not what you're going to do. I've had two people to try to suspend our babies from the facility, and I'm like, you're not going to do that. Like, I'm telling the the, the the top person, 
No, you're not going to suspend Darius. He's six years old. He needs to be here. We can we can sit. You know, you and I can sit and we can talk about this. We can decide what the adequate um you know what we should what you feel what we feel could be done about this. But what you're not going to do is deny him the privilege to come here when I know what he's dealing with at home and why he needs to be here. So I mean, they no, they don't. They don't. They don't know. And and I've had people situations where people have actually I wasn't there and they called the cops on our boys and it wasn't even a fight like I go back and look at the camera and it's not even a fight and I'm like these same two children if I just would have given them the black mama look Isaiah so if you, know, you think about then they're gonna you, stop they're gonna go in the respective about, corners I'm gonna have them um you know dap each other up and then we're moving forward from that but this chick called the cops and that's okay. why she got a seven Hold page reading letter for me <laughs> So if you think about what do you hear from the police when there's a shooting? What do they say? What's the justification for the reason they had to shoot first and ask no questions at all? So what we So what we hear is they they were they perceived a threat. They perceived a threat. And so when we have young black men who research has shown across the board that they are treated as older than they are, same with young black ladies, treated as older than they are. And insubordination is the number one, one of the number one disciplinary measures, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the goal of education in our school system? To make work. Mm. To make workers and drones. But not only to make workers and drones, but to maintain the status quo. Absolutely. And this status quo is what started all the way back when we were still working for free. Mm. I'm sorry, I was reading the comment. I was reading that comment. That that, that comment was nice. That comment was nice. Uh, I want to shout out Sarah Poole. This sister is always on point, and her point about fear for life. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. Police officers talk about they feared for their life. Yes, and so they had. Since I feared for my life, I'm able to take your life. Which and it's the same thing in our schools. The teachers see any type of typical behavior. This is typical child behavior. Our kids aren't doing anything different than any other kids are doing. Okay, let me tell you what's funny about that. I find that little Becky and Steve are actually worse. Wild and out. Worse. And you know what? It is interesting to me that if I have a choice to have to deal with them, I don't want to be bothered with them. Because you know what? I promise you, Malik and Tanisha, I can I can look at them and be like, "What? Excuse me. What you're not gonna do?" And they will calm it down, turn it down. Real talk. And but Becky and Becky and uh and little Matthew want to give you pushback and but my mommy, I don't give a damn about your mom. <laughs> With a straight face. With a straight face. I think too, part of what we're hearing is how important the family dynamics are with what educators deal with because what y'all came into the system with is very different than what a lot of other kids come into the system with. I learned that across I, the spectrum. I probably so 
one of the things that helped me survive in middle school for at least 10, 15 years was the once I realized that they weren't coming with a whole set of core values that I came with. I, there's a whole, and you know, we talk about home training. They just didn't come with home training. They don't have it. Like the day I said in band rehearsal, I was like, so you little Negroes are going to just talk while I'm talking. I said, ain't nobody ever told you that it's rude to talk while somebody is talking? And they looked at me like deer in headlights. Mind you, my son, my son was in that class and was looking like, oh, shit. He's about to lose. He's, he's like, oh, shit. Here we go. I was like, and once they looked at me, and then I was like, oh, my God. You all don't know that. I said, you know what? And I, said, I backed up. I was like, you know what? Let me apologize. Because I'm holding you accountable for something that, guess what? You've never been taught. And I'm sorry. So here's here's our teachable moment. It is rude and it's disrespectful for you to talk while an adult or whoever is talking. Whoever the teacher is, you know what? You want to be heard. When you talk, you want to be heard. So in that same manner, I want to be heard when I'm instructing you. So here it is. So I'm going to hold you accountable. Done. So from this point forward... Here we go. You don't talk while I'm talking. And so anything that had to do with like home behavior, you know what I'm saying? Straight up. I was just like, you know what? Let, let me teach and model this for you first. Because guess what? You might not be getting this at home. If nobody ever told you at home that this is wrong or this is right or, you know, this is what it is. Guess what? I'm telling you now and I'm going to hold you accountable from henceforth and forevermore. Amen. So this is the heart of education, Right. What right. you just said was nobody ever taught them, but they've been told to be quiet, right? That's but not the same as teaching. Never, never, That's they, not the same as teaching. And so you taught them what they've been hearing all their life, but they understood why. And so that's what teaching is. That's what real education is, is when you when you not only give instruction, but you give understanding and you give practice and support. So that's how education is supposed to work. Ain't that it? Wow. That's how it works. You just brought up a really interesting point. I, I I had the same conversation with a colleague. I work in a high school. It's an urban setting. It can be very challenging. And what Eddie mentioned earlier is the same experience that I have, where I can handle a situation easily with a look, with a couple of words, or just standing firm on my square, where my colleagues don't have the same impact. But... I do realize that many of them, like I had a student who said something and I said, that's inappropriate. The student said, what? I said, that's inappropriate. That's inappropriate in the school. You can do that at home. It looks like your family allows you to do that, but that's inappropriate in the school setting because it destroys the learning environment. You're harming other students because you're disrupting. And the student said, oh, and I can't, and that was it. But another student, another teacher had, had written that student up and wanted him to get suspended for the very same behavior. So you're right. It's different than there's a big difference, rather, in telling somebody something and teaching somebody. Something. Exactly. You have to you have to reteach. There's some things that, again, we got to stop making the assumption that everybody comes with the same set of home training and they just don't have it. And you know what? You can't just pound them in the head about it. No, just teach them. Just yep. teach them. Straight up. Everything is a teachable moment. Everything is a teachable moment. Especially if they don't know it. Like, they don't understand. It's as simple as, let me tell you why 
we can be functional. We're so functional in settings. Because you know what? You walk up, you see a kid coming the door, you can tell on their face, come in, son, what's wrong? Did you eat breakfast today? What happened? You're like, you know, you know your kids. You know your kids. You and, do. And so you know, okay, you know what? Did you not, you know, is your homework done? You knew your homework was wrong. Did you eat breakfast? Come here. While you sitting there combing heads and you know, fix, fix your clothes, you tuck your shirt in, and uh, you know, making sure you grease and faces up. Like, literally, it's like you just came to work to, like, literally take care of your new set of kids at work. Do the same thing that you would do for your kids before they left out of the house. Well, here you are coming through the metal detectors. Come here, come talk to me. Like, I had some of the hardest kids in the school come and they can't start their day until they get a hug. All right, come on. You good? Do I need to check on you today? How many times I got to check on you? Nothing? Okay. Well, if you will have a meltdown, you know, if you feel like you're about to have a meltdown anywhere in the building, come see me. Get a pass. Come see Oh, but other teachers will get upset with you for that. Fuck them. Oh, no. I'm not, say- I'm not saying they're rightfully so. I'm saying that there is such a power grab that it's my way or the highway. And so... That's, I think that's one of the big problems. I have a, I have another thought though. Um, so if, if our kids are being over suspended and over disciplined, why aren't we getting more pushback from the parents? You know, what's interesting, I'll say this from the administrative side. Like I was the king of sending kids home for real. Cause I was like, you know what? We teach children in this building. And if you are going to bring in the building, you're going to be in a child's place. Now, for real, and it wasn't it wasn't this, oh no, it was real simple. I was like, okay, so you're gonna follow the rules or you're going home. It's real simple. Like it was and it wasn't about being an asshole. It was about, okay, so I'm gonna protect the learning environment for the rest of these kids. You're not gonna do that up in here. And guess what? You know, did I put it on paper? No, but it was like so it was like, uh uh-uh, we're gonna talk about this and you'll be back in three days. Thank you though. Thank you. And be done and like when parents would come and be like, would you not? I had a parent. Her son told, now we're in an urban setting. It's like, we're, there were like maybe three three white kids in the school. This kid decides that he's going to tell, he's about five foot three. He decides that he's going to tell this six foot two woman that he's going to fuck her up. And I looked and she just waved. She just motioned, like, come get him. And I was like, come on, little boy. And so then he told me he was going to fuck me up, too. And I was like, little boy. I was like, yo, for real, just stop talking because you're you finna go home. And so when I actually, you know, when the mother finally got there and I was to explain to her what happened, she she goes off and I saw myself, if you put your hands on any staff member in the building, it's a wrap. And she was like, it's a wrap. That's that's also unprofessional and what I said and I looked at her I said wait 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 I said first I need you to understand that you smell like liquor at 11 o'clock in the morning number one number two if you would like my professional language here it is I said first of all I said because you're not privy to it once you say the word fuck to me in a professional setting you're no longer you're not really privy to the professional language you don't deserve the professional language that my parents paid for me to have so here it is. Professional because you're coming from the righteous educator perspective because you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? 
But in real life, we know that there are all types of educators who are bullying kids, calling kids out their name, treating them like garbage. Where are the parents? You know, I want your thoughts on where those parents are for those teachers and for those education systems. You know, well, can I, if I can jump in before you talk, Eddie, I just want to note that we have three Hamptonians in the room. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Star. Uh, we love you anyway. Uh, carry on. <laughs> we, we do love you, though. We do. <laughs> Even though our band just went to Rome. No shade. No shade. But <laughs> uh, that, seriously, so you're asking where are the parents? Good yeah. question. Um, I find in those settings that those parents are on some un- I feel like parents don't some parents didn't have a good experience in school mm-hmm. tell me so, more <laughs> okay they didn't have a they didn't have a good experience in school and so therefore they're looking like they don't come and they come for the wrong stuff I you know that's probably one of the most frustrating things like I had a woman come to me because we tried to get her for a year to come and see about her um her two boys because they needed services. Clearly, okay, so here's the scenarios real quick. She had two boys in the seventh grade. Neither one of them was in the right grade. One should have been in the eighth, one should have been in the ninth. The eighth grade the would-be eighth grader read on a kindergarten level, the would-be ninth grader read on a third grade level right you're, you're right but we couldn't get her to come from across the street to sign paperwork so we could try to get them some services we tried for a year and so here we are one of the old one of them i had both of them in a class one of them decided they wanted to curse me out one day and i was like <sighs> and so on his way out the door i said Real simple. I said, you know what? That's why your mother should have swallowed you. I guess I did say. You know what? <laughs> that is not professional. <laughs> no, no, that is not professional. Hold on. But I didn't say it to him. I said, you know, I was talking to myself. I was just like, oh God, that's why his mama should have swallowed him. Somebody heard one of the kids heard it and told him. Mm-hmm. So he goes home and tells his mother. This is on a Thursday. So now on Friday. During a pep rally, I just happened to walk through the office, and here she is going off. She thought it was some other teacher. She thought it was his English teacher talking about and that motherfucker, that bitch, that ass bitch, blah 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 blah. And she's in going off about what had been said, and I just happened to walk in the office. Look at God. Look at God. Victim. No, guess what? I just so I was like, I said, no, ma'am. I said, no, I said it. I told her, I said, no, ma'am, I said it. I said, but if you're not, I said, I said, but before you go any further, if you're not here to sign paper, I addressed the situation. I told her the same thing. I said, so you have these two boys that are in desperate need of services. I said, and we've been trying to get you in this building for at least a year to address that. I said, so if you're telling me that we can't do that to get you come to come across the street from your apartment that we can see right there? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I will not discuss this foolishness with you. I said, because then, in fact, what I said was true. You should have used some kind of birth control. You should have swallowed them twice. I said, because you, I said, you came to address some bullshit 
but you didn't come to see what we could do to get your kids even close to reading level. I think it kind of goes back to what we said earlier. We said oh, that telling somebody something and teaching something are not the same. No, they work Parents will show up. <laughs> Hold on, because y'all are talking about so this is what I hear about parents all the time though. I hear about the parents who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Star, you work with families in the community. What are you hearing from your parents? Okay, so I can talk now. Um, I feel like that, you know, to touch on what you said, Eddie, and I'm not making excuses for it because I've dealt with some very egregious things. Like I remember, um, you know, we, we went through a lot of work to put on a summer camp for, for children. And it was like, um, $10 that they had to pay for like a full out this. Ooh, everything summer camp from enrichment, um, academics, um, fun things and everything. And I remember one mom being like, I'm not getting ready to pay that. She's like, why should I have to pay that? I'm not going to pay them no $10 or whatever. But her daughter was dressed better than me. <laughs> like, she had her clothes were more expensive than mine. And, you know, they lived in, um, you know, a community that kind of didn't match where the, you know, the, the, where they were put in the money. And I guess, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of frustrations with parents and everything, but nonetheless, like with what you were saying, um, not to make excuses, but I feel like possibly that, that mom feels prepared with um her words that she knows how to curse somebody out she she's equipped to give it to you that way she is not equipped to deal with um the 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 education that your parents paid for and to have that conversation back and forth with you um perhaps they just you know i i think that's something and 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 trying to crack that you know is is a big thing it's like there needs to be Hmm. Systemically, our communities suffer from a lot of things because then what you're talking about is like generational poverty. And I've had mm-hmm. same situations where yep. you guys know where Roberts Park used to be in um, Norfolk and then Roberts Park Elementary was adjacent to it. And children who were in my after school program many moons ago and they would come to school at 10 a.m. You know, school started at like eight o'clock in the morning. They're coming to school at 10 o'clock in the morning because mom didn't get them up and make sure that they had to, you know, just walk across the street. Like literally, like you said, who the hell is right there? Um, So I think there are feelings of inadequacy, um, trauma, different things that have not been um, things that have not been um, diagnosed. And so I even noticed, you know, where a pattern that where this may, you know, start. I always tell our children, your voice is worthy of being heard, sweetie. Your voice is worthy of being heard because I will see at a young age where our children will not want to speak up. When I have a group and I'm asking them questions, they don't want to answer or they answer it kind of low and da-da-da. Well, we're not going to do that around here. And that's not how I phrase that to them, but that's my philosophy because you're going to leave under my tutelage and my love because I'm always like, yo, this, this is a game. Besides the fact that I'm teaching you, it's a love game, right? And you can't get out of it. Like, you can't. You gonna get this love. You understand this, you little brown babies? Okay, you gonna get this love. And so you're going to, you know, I, I, I get them. If they were timid, I guarantee you by the time they leave me, they're not that. 
they're not even if I get you from you know you were at a zero and I get you to a 1.5 some might be at a one and I get them to an eight but it's you're gonna come up in that time frame and so you already see them not feeling comfortable with expressing themselves so if nothing channels that and builds that self-esteem, if nothing intervenes along the way, and like we said, these other colleagues that we have that just shun them, push them off to the side, you know, all of these things in the school system, the policing system, now they grow up to be the parent that doesn't feel comfortable, you know, that doesn't feel equipped, that's not going to be able, that doesn't feel like I that. can come in there and have this conversation with you about my children because I just barely made it out of school myself. And then, you know, but you know what and you're right so when we talk about those teachable moments they're teachable moments for everybody because what I find you know and I get that and so the first thing we need to impart but I'm not blaming you I, I, I want to say that because like I understand the, the frustration so please understand that I was not putting anything um on on you just no, no, no. talking about the you know the totality of this the enormity of it in general you know what I think that's what's really important I think you know again we always take the teachable moment I know I try to and let people know look we're on the same team because ultimately we want the same goal which is for and I you know one of the reasons that I still live in the District of Columbia and have not moved back into the county to Prince Edward's County is the fact that I live in Ward 7. Ward 7 and 8 are the most underserved populations in the city of Washington, D.C., educationally. And so even though, you know, I can't deal with the system systemically anymore, but I won't leave the city because somebody has to advocate for our babies. You know, the same kids that like I still keep in contact with, you know, and I track my kids all the way through high school. And, you know, I advocate for them. You know, what do you need? What do you have? You know, do you need such and such? Do you know? Yeah, I might go out and teach little white girls in Montgomery County, but still, I'm like, I'm concerned about my brown children over here in Southeast, east of the river, because they don't have anybody to advocate for them. And I'm not saying that their parents don't want the best for them. But they, a lot of a lot of the parents, you're, like you said, a lot of the parents just don't know how to advocate. They don't know. They don't so know. I, I have, right. I have three things. So we've talked about like the fact that number one, we're not being educated to um, actually think critically to engage with anything. Um, we have a system that tells that our parents came from so the the black parents that we're dealing with now were the black students of yesteryear right and somehow their education got mixed um i want to touch a little bit on whether you got any education about who you are as a black person in america but then i want to go into like how do we change this educational environment to where our kids and our community is actually getting educated and getting what they need. Okay, well, I can tell you um, that my parents and the environment that they raised me in believe that the community and the family had the responsibility to provide me with the information about um, quote-unquote my blackness. So I went to freedom schools. I went to 
Uhuru, uh, Uhuru Nikazi. I went to a couple of other freedom schools. I went to church programs. Uh, I went to community programs, fraternity programs. They felt that it was the community's responsibility for me to understand who I am as a person of African descent in the United States of America. Um, they didn't so think didn't that it was it the school. They never believed that the schools would do anything. Did they? Yeah. So that's my question. Like, did, did you have any public education experiences where schools did really equip you to be a Black American man? Not until I got to Hampton. But in secondary education, elementary and secondary education, no. Because and, it, and I never really missed it because I got it at home. I went to, I had two HBCU grads mm-hmm. that were Divine Nine. We went to a black church. My grandfather was a black pastor in a black church. And Anywhere and everywhere I went, I got it. Like it was, it wasn't like, oh, it was missing. So then it taught me once I got around white people in sixth, sixth grade, sixth grade six to 12, you know, I began to question, you know, well, why is this missing? Why, you know, and it, it taught, I knew to question, like, wait, I hear what you're saying, but what is this revisionist history that you're giving me? Where's the rest of the story? Right, you're leaving some parts out. I need you to come back and put those back in. Thank you. Where's the Where's the beef? Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Star? Did you get any uh, cult- culturally relevant education? I did not um, get that in school. I got it at home. Um, like I said, Granny Ruth had me reading at three. So I was reading books about our history and culture. I also was witnessing things that um, she um, and, and and her peers were doing um, for the community and things that I that I saw happen and things that I heard them discuss. Um, but it definitely happened at home. It did not happen at school. And one thing that, you know, really is interesting to me and it even bothered me when I was in high school. They had a class called Ethnic Studies. And um, I, I think that that encompassed like black history. I think I did not get to take it. And I was very upset about that because no, it, it was not a part of the advanced studies diploma track. So it was like an elective and it what, what, the, the way that it worked was just it, it, it wouldn't have fit for me getting an advanced studies diploma. And so that was the only class like that. And it was the, the black teacher who everybody liked and I didn't get to have that. I did have a, yeah. one class in high school that was um, an advanced class that had two black women in there and it was like a history and English class combined and they did throw some of that in there. But for the most part, it was the same old same, you know, the couple of people that we learned about um, periodically. And I think, you know, more um, advocacy around curriculum needs to happen. I feel like we're uh, probably towards next year and I know we just started this year, but um, our organization, Clever Communities in Action, we're looking at pivoting more towards advocacy and changing, um, you know, like pushing what's what the curriculum is. Um, I heard that recently, you guys, um, in Virginia Beach, the HRBC has something to do with um, creating an African-American studies elective for Virginia Beach high schools. And that was a step. Um, but, you know, again, Oh, star. 
Did we lose her again? <clears throat> oh, she's coming back, I think. Come back, Star. Come but watch it. So what she's talking about, this is what I see. I see college education classes. I see high school elective. Why is our history, which is American history, optional? Um, because systemically, it's not it's the system isn't set up for that. Right. And so we have so all four of us on this on this broadcast, all four of us are the product of freedom fighters. We are the products of pro-black, fully aware African-American citizens. What about the rest of the American African-American citizenry who didn't get that? The ones who um did not become educated after slavery and they continued to be uneducated through the years. They went to public schools that were not intended to teach them about themselves, their history, or how to be empowered. How do we change the system to truly educate all of our people? You know, and what I... What do we need to do? And I dare say this, but I feel like we need to take the same type of mindset that happened with sec- primary and secondary education, we need to take that same mindset from HBCUs and literally open our own damn schools to educate our kids. And, you know, I, people say that, I'm like, nah. If you're a teacher calling people, <laughs> don't read it. Don't read it. I was about to say it's a setup. It's a setup. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, you know, I feel like that. Um, definitely with what you're saying, Eddie, it's it's gotta start outside of because the 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 thing that helped us to be like we are, we're all saying was a strong foundation at home and away. It wasn't within the school system. The school system should reinforce. But you know, again, I'm gonna go back to the black church. You know, because again, I say the church and then the fraternities and the sororities are the things that get the most black people in mass consistently. So I feel like the church should be an epicenter of teaching our culture. Um, You know, the the programs that um, the fraternities and sororities have that work with our youth should. Matter of fact, anybody. And I'm going to tell you, I get real frustrated when people have programs and I mean black people and they're working with our youth. But it doesn't do anything from a cultural perspective, a historic perspective that you're not adding that in there, sprinkling that in there, and any or or ba- making that the. F- I at least need you to sprinkle it like uh, E40 or whatever. Like uh, who was that? I need you to sprinkle me, man. You need to do a little bit, at least that, at least that. But it should be the foundation to me. It should be the crux of it, okay? And so I get really, really frustrated when we start talking about all of these different things because it's detrimental to us. See, when you know the truth, that's when you are empowered to speak up when something doesn't look right, when it doesn't feel right, when they're telling you something. That's why when I was six, I felt comfortable being like, nah, bruh, because I knew. I knew and I was very confident in that. I knew when you when you're not confident in who you are, it could even feel right, but you don't necessarily it could feel wrong, but you don't necessarily know what the truth is, so then you'll cower back and be quiet. That so right. I think it needs to be in the community more as far as the school. I think I went out some kind of way a minute ago, but I was saying like more advocacy. 
um towards like we're we're looking at with um nonprofit <laughs> we're looking at the non with our nonprofit not this year but next year really starting to make a pivot towards more advocacy about what's in the curriculum um you know what kind of books are in the library what's being taught in the curriculum and really really forcing that you know and then this this comes back to politics and who gets elected and agendas um that black people need to have and what we are expecting of people who are on school boards you know city councils and different things of the sort well you know what you're right because i'm actually looking one of the things that i want to do here in dc is literally i want to you know i was trying to run for the school board but unfortunately mayor bowser appoints you have to be appointed and so yes i'm having the politic to kiss her behind to try to get on the school board because i feel like there need we need to start writing the curriculum Real talk. I agree. Yeah, we need to start writing the curriculum. I ran for the school board here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And one of the things that I learned is... Thank you, Star. And I'm not going to say what Star said. (laughs) Eddie, you'll get a kick out of this. You get a kick out of this. All right, so... Star was speaking on my behalf in front of the school board as they were trying to determine who they were going to appoint for a particular position that was open that I was, you know, jockeying for. And she gave a raving speech about how great I was and then said he's able to multitask. He's able to do a lot of great things for the community at once. He's an honorary woman. (laughs) I mean, you had to be there. You had to be there, but like, really, because I mean, we women, we're the queens of multitasking, and I'm gonna say that brother right there, like he he is juggling a whole lot of things at one time and not even sweating. So I was like, hey, you know, give give him the badge. This take us work. My point was, my point was, one of the things that I've learned is I've actually had more influence on some of the things that happen on the school board not being on the school board. Being so, an Eddie, 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 I definitely hope you run. I hope you're appointed, rather. And um, I, I hope we need you up there. But my point is, also, we can also put a, a knife to the neck, is what I used to say. Put a knife to the neck of those people who are on the school board and say, hey, look. Hey, bro, tell us more about that. Like, how are you How are you influencing more off than on? Because that's something we need to know. Because you know what? Because once you're as a part of the school board, you end up being kind of bound by the limitations or the restrictions of... Cog in the wheel. Exactly. A cog in the wheel. But... I promise you, outside of the school board, I get it. Make the noise. Make because when you're right, in, right. you're beholden to these people, these various groups that got you, you know, in there. And if you're outside, you can push, push, push your, you know, thing. When you have, you know, I'm, I'm just what mothers against drunk. Dr- they'll go hard about their particular yeah. interest. You know, yeah. people. Yeah. When you're out of it, you're pushing your agenda. When you're the one on there, then you gotta, you know, look at everything and be more, you know, diplomatic. You can't go as right hard now, as you, know, you wanna go. About these black children, you know. Okay, so that's what I learned. It's not the agent, it's the agenda. It's not the agent, not the person, it's the agenda. So, 
uh, Ed, I would say push the agenda. Oh, absolutely. Because you're not on board. Because let me tell you, I still I have I'm asking the question on a regular basis. Why is it okay for you to not properly staff schools east of the river and not treat them the same way that you would Northwest DC? Like, and I've seen that firsthand. So if a teacher goes out, okay. So say so. Here's the problem. East of the river in Ward Seven and Eight, you will send Becky and Matt and Peter over here and send them over here to schools to basically it's a war zone okay it's a war zone and so they're not prepared to get cussed at or to be physically or verbally assaulted 182 days of school they're not and so you know the first time they say oh little Johnny sit Malik I need you to sit down and Malik says fuck you they ain't ready for that and that happens for a week and so guess what they be like, okay, this ain't worth you paying off my student loans, and they're gonna leave. It's stressful. I mean, teaching is stressful without that, but when you're not equipped we, we to not deal with cool. children, then it's even worse. Hold on, because we only got a few more minutes, yeah. so I wanna I wanna wrap up. Oh, oh, yes, kids with special needs. That's a whole nother show, um, and how they're doing our babies who need special education and aren't getting it. But whole nother show. Um, yeah, I want to end with because what y'all what y'all talked about was making sure our kids are educated about our history. But my contention is that all of America needs to be educated about America's entire history because a large part of the reason that we're still in the same place that we've been fighting most of the same battles is because only certain people are getting the information accurately. And so we get this pushback. Oh, slavery wasn't that bad because I learned about it in school. And I mean, they're not saying this consciously, but in real life, what happened was, was they learned about slavery as like immigrants coming over to America to work the land for a better life. That is a real life story. That is what they are teaching. Right. The forced migration. Right. Forced migration. Um, the slaves were better off working on plantations than they would have been otherwise. All types of ridiculous foolishness. Like we didn't have our own empires, kingdoms, education, schools in Africa. But okay. Um, we were educated when we were kidnapped. But okay. So um, how do we not only educate our kids, but all kids with the truth? How about it? Okay, I can say this. Um, one of the ways that we can make sure that everyone learns the truth is by those of us who know the truth sharing the truth, coming up to the schools, being involved at the school board meetings. Involvement is the key. Involvement yep. is the key. Involvement is the key. And we need to have our own. Uh, you know, one of the sisters mentioned that we need to have our own, basically. Shay, you said that. I went to freedom schools when I was coming up. So we had our own. We went to a regular school. And well, then on weekends, for a little bit of uh, three or four hours, we went to a freedom school. And at that freedom school, we studied African history. We studied the history of the Africans who were here in the United States of America or you know, um, in North America prior to the pilgrims' arrival. Uh, using that book, what was it? Uh, they came before Columbus. So mm-hmm. for all my people who consider themselves Aborigines, we salute that. We know about Turtle Island. We l- I learned about all that stuff. And this is when I was in middle school. 
So, I, you know, all of us didn't come here through the enslavement process. A lot of us were here early. We, we're good with that. So, uh, yo, niggas, you can back off and stop leaving those comments, even though we love you, brother. All right. So my point is our involvement will make the difference. Our involvement will make the difference. Eddie, what you got? No, you're you're absolutely right. We've got to like just we've got to be involved and you've got to we've got to be present. And I think that's part of our problem um, just as a whole is our lack of presence. And so if we're not demanding these things again here in D.C., like demanding that you equally staff these schools, like you, you make sure that every child in the district or in any any system is privy to the same things like real talk like you know why is if it's good enough for the folk on the on the other side of the city it's good enough for the east of the river folks like it's not you know I don't feel like you make sure that everybody has the same resources and it's not like we don't have the money here in the district you have it but again, we've got to be present. We've got to advocate for those things that we want, that we think that our children deserve. Star, what do you think? So again, when you say advocacy, when I say advocacy about, um, you know, the curriculum, that means all curriculum and, you know, all schools changing that, making it reflect um, reality, not the, you know, 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue and the, you know, pilgrims and the Indians and the nice little hand turkeys that children are making, you know, in November. Um, So that that means all around, um, you know, advocacy. And also, you know, I'm thinking like, who is this? Scholastic? Um, What are are all those, the the people who do the Scholastic? yeah they they need to be hit up you know like (laughs) their pressure needs to be applied on on those um those entities as well or you know i had a conversation about this like are there any textbooks already written with the real history in there where we can you know with this advocacy already like start pushing that you need to integrate this or you need to start changing from these books um, these, these books, this curriculum that you have into this one, but it, it's just going to take, you know, like we've all said, involvement, advocacy, and so find um, it out, you know, find the out too, industry. Who, who's me. in charge? Finding out who's in charge because, um, as community members, as citizens, we have access to finding out who it is that makes the decisions on adopting curriculum. So we can make that a priority as a community. Who is adopting the curriculum? Uh, Educating parents about knowing what their rights are in the schools, because a lot of times they're being bullied by the school. So they might be trying to advocate for their kids and they're being shut down. Yeah, you're right. I can't. I can't even argue. You're right. You're right. I can't argue. <laughs> but they don't know any better, and they don't have any. They don't have the time. They don't have the resources. They don't have the information they need. And again, and I so, again, when you meet with parents, I always when I interact with our parents, it's a whole other level because it's like you're interacting with family. Like, yo, so I need you to do this, and I need you, like I have those interactions. Like, yo, so I need you to go downtown, and I need you to ask for this, for this, for this, and for this. Like, and don't take no for an answer. No, get back on them. And if they push back, push back. 
because they're gonna yeah. do what you want, and you know, and you tell them like I can't say like you tell them as a teacher I can't say this, I can't ask for these things, but you as a parent can ask for these. Yeah. You know, so, teaching our you know parents what? how much power they have. Yeah, tell them okay. You're right. So we need to ask them for the purple for the purple books in the back. They have them. Don't let them tell you they don't. And if they tell you, if they tell you they don't have them, ask them for that. And then ask them for the blue books over there because they have them and they're accessible and they have to give them to you. So and not and tell them about, I've had with some parents to put I, I I you know inform them a lot of times to email things to put it in writing so that you have a trail. Yeah. Yep. Um, and assisting them basically in putting the body of it together. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, parents have gotten in trouble for recording. For recording, having stuff recorded at school. They have sued parents for stuff like that. So you have to be aware of like what the system is doing too. But yeah, paper trails. Um, so I need to ask, I want to answer that question that somebody just asked, what about homeschool? Please answer it, because if you don't, I will. I'm not. We don't have time to answer it, but I want to, because homeschool is my, is my heart. Well, what about homeschool? Well, if that's homeschool is great if the parent is equipped to do it, but if they struggle to get out of school, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get it. But you know, let me what? tell you something. Well, at least in Hampton Roads, in Hampton Roads, we have enough resources that even for the parents who don't have um, the background they're still going to do a better job than the school system with the resources we have. The trouble comes when you have um, areas that don't have homeschool resources. And the other trouble is, is homeschool is still a class thing. Like, we just put my kid in public school for the first time because our budget demands it. We can't afford anything else at the moment. And so... I get you. You know what? Because I, I promise you, as an administrator, I have actually offered some folks the homeschool packet. They're scared. Because we'll give it to you. Like, for real, if you think that we're not giving your child what they need, honest to God, I would, I would dare say, you know, before you keep, you know, you keep saying, hey, you know, so while talk to me about homeschooling, you can, you can, we'll talk. I'll find you. We'll talk. Because I love homeschool and we'll talk about how it's possible. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Homeschool advocate. Hey, what's, what's your handle again? What's your handle again? My, I want to make so sure. So y'all can out. find me all over the internet uh, at 360 Citizens, 360 Citizens. We used to be Families for His Glory, but we're working on making sure everybody really does get liberty and justice for all through education. And so now we're at 360 Citizens. <laughs> um, good stuff. So I know this might sound real crazy, and might it's a it's a stretch, but you can find me at at Negro. Underscore C major E flat seven. For my mus- my musicians will get that one. I'm gonna need you to hold up a sign or something. <laughs> <laughs> I really meant to like put it. Let me throw. Can I throw it in the, in the live comment? I don't know. Try it. Try and put it in there. Okay, Crumb was trying. Uppity Negro. Yes, it's C major C M A J E flat seven. 
that's half of it. The uppity Negro is right. Just find the, find the uppity Negro on <laughs> with the music. The uppity Negro with the music. You definitely are an uppity Negro. Hey, uh, if you type it in the comment, I'll make sure that it gets tagged into the video. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And Star, if you can also do the same, I know I have my handle. I'm Seiko Varner at Seiko Varner. We have Shay at 360 Citizens. I love the way that sounds. Um, wow. Uh, Star, go ahead and throw your stuff in there and I'll make sure that Crumb gets us to uh, post it. So Nina Simone, whoo, my mom had a home child care. A teacher called my brother a moron and my mom took all of us out of the school and she homeschooled us all five through elementary school. Uh, and so that's what parents used to be able to do. Parents used to feel equipped to take charge of their education. They wouldn't take the school saying that their kid couldn't learn. They wouldn't take the school saying that your kid can't receive these services. But now a lot of these parents, they don't know enough and they feel stuck because they got to work and they got to pay bills. So we need to start figuring out how to provide solutions. Mm. That's okay, Michael. You, you, can start, it, you can watch it later. Huh? How did you do it, Shay? How did I mean, we homeschool all the way up till now? Okay, so um, it was a series of happy circumstances that involved inheriting money, honestly. And um, that's, that's where a lot of white wealth comes from, inherited money. And so um, what I'm teaching my students now, right now I'm teaching GED. And so what I'm teaching my students now in my GED class is make sure you get a job that allows you to have more than what you need to live on or build a business that allows you to have more than what you need to live on because it's economic security that gives you the option to do things like homeschool or bartering. I love that your dad bartered for the services he needed. We need to do more of that. We need to do more of that. Absolutely. And it's interesting that um, I just went into a season that I've made... So I made education secondary and I I went back into real estate. So I've done both concurrently education and real estate concurrently for for some years and so I finally made real estate primary and I made education the secondary focus because I want my grandchildren to have a legacy yes yes and make sure you protect your investments because a lot of people will make money but they don't protect their investments exactly and, yeah. and it later it gets gone yeah so shout out to all my homeschoolers I see y'all in the comments come on and you know what I'm for it I'm absolutely for it like you know if that's what you need to do in order for your children to get the best education then yeah absolutely do that because you know because again as as the, the topic of tonight I don't feel like public education is set up for us. It's not. It's not. It's not even set up for the working white class. So you know for daggone sure, it's not set up for black people. No, it's not. Absolutely not. And again, it, it's just it's just not set up for us. So it's so just... So no, day schools can't teach us. Nah. <laughs> nah. Uh, I'm not saying we won't learn stuff. 
but will we learn, will our students really learn what they need to know in the current public education system? Mm, no. Okay. Side, Jay sidebar. <laughs> no, sidebar. Anybody want a dog? No. It's like kids that don't leave home. No. I got kids. No. I'm just asking. I'm just, I'm just asking. Somebody, somebody wants a dog, but it's not me. Because I promise you, if this chick don't come, <laughs> you love your dog. Stop I treating do. her like that. I do. I love them to pieces. You know what? Stop treating her like that. That's how I try and give away my kids. That's how I know I you love her. I was like, you know what? Okay. It's like the I want to shout out to Jomo Jenkins too because he stays uh, supporting and representing him, Sirwa, um there's one more all of y'all though thank you guys so much for the love and the support I'm saying I was going to let him out that kennel okay. but she would have been old, all over here acting a complete fool and I'm like you know what it's like that extra kid and you can't they, they're like kids they are they don't go home. They don't leave though. They just get sick, and then you got to pay their vet bills. <laughs> I keep the kids. They gonna leave. All right. Well, they I'm gonna, gonna give you guys my IG handle. Um, that yes. is star um underscore underscore Armstrong, and our nonprofit Clever Communities in Action is CCIA underscore ORG. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at Star Armstrong, and um have some exciting new things that are about to come out pretty soon. Um, looking forward to sharing that with everybody. Um, and yeah, shout out to Dead Prez. They schools ain't teaching us. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Crumb for giving us this platform. Like, where, where is Crumb? Yeah. He's busy handling the comments. Okay. He's so busy. But hey, look, we, like uh, so good. Like, we had a great topic. We had a great conversation. And I want to thank everybody for participating. Let's give it up for Queen Mother Shay, who took over and did an excellent job. Thank you, Seiko. All right. And I need to make a public apology to Queen Star because when she was hosting, at one point I did kind of take over again. And, uh, you know, I, I apologize. I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to work on it. Uh, so, Star, you did a great job. And Queen Mother Shay, you did a great job. And, hey, shout out to Crumb. And thank you for checking in. Stay fly. Stay fly. Oh, last words. I'm sorry. I'm, actually, Shay, you say this. I'm, I'm <laughs> Wait, but this is your ending. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. So uh, I guess we're wrapping up with any last words. I will say that my last words are education is the key. And education doesn't mean that your kids are, it's not what you get in school. Education is what our kids need to know to grow and to thrive. And with Star. that, oh, go ahead, Eddie. Star, I was going to defer to Star. But, um, yes, ladies first. Appreciate it. Um, so, school is just an extension of home and community. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. You getting your queen? Again. You getting your queen on up there? I heard you. Right. I heard <laughs> That's my joint, like for real. But um, no, like I said, school is um, supposed to be an extension of home and community. And so it always goes back. Like I said, we say it takes a village to raise a child. So let's all make sure that we are active. 
active villagers, that we are not villaging from the sideline or that we're not just using that phrase um, like let's be active villagers. All of these babies are our babies, not just the ones that we gave birth to. And to, to piggyback off of that, you're right. We've got to be a part of the global village and make sure and just take care of our babies and give them what they deserve. Because, you know, for 25 years in education, you know, I've got more babies out here in this world that that I didn't, you know, that I didn't birth or I didn't, you know, I didn't produce. But still, you if you take ownership in that in that manner and make sure, you know, it's important that all of our kids get what they need. And we've got to be willing to stand up and fight for that and advocate for that. You know, and that then we might make some we're gonna make some progress, but you I was saying again, you gotta reach the ones that you can and give them everything that you got. All right, and I'm just gonna say stay fly. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. All right, so I ended the broadcast. Uh hey man, it's still going. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests, unless we say we agree, unless explicitly stated. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay fly. Stay fly.